This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Acorns, Grow Your Oak. Acorns helps you grow your money. In under five minutes, get investment accounts for you and your family, plus retirement, checking, ways to earn more money, and grow your knowledge. Take control with all-in-one investment, retirement, checking, and more. Just one dollar, three dollars, or five dollars a month. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com/acorns. That's www.autoconverse.com/acorns. From Acorns, mighty oaks do grow. You know, traditionally, the the whole process of having a dealer network, and it was really. You relied as an auto manufacturer on the dealer network to do your selling for you. That is gradually being chipped away and that is changing. That final decision to say, I've made my selection online. I'm coming here to see the vehicle. I don't need to be sold to. I've already done that. I need to just be reassured that what I'm buying into here is it meets my lifestyle. It meets my personal objectives. And, and that's where that big revolution is coming. That was Jonathan Warad with Mood Media talking about how relationships between consumers, automakers, and dealerships are evolving. The dealership is undergoing a revolutionary transformation, and auto brands need to continually reinvent the consumer experience that they offer in order to keep up with customers' evolving shopping behaviors and dynamic market shifts. Back in May, I met with Jonathan for an extended chat on the subject, which is the feature of today's episode. The first part of the conversation was centered around automakers keeping pace with consumers. And the second part, we talked about the idea of digital shopping. That is, retail shopping that combines both the physical and the digital worlds. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. Hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. It's great to be here with you. And as you heard me say, the feature conversation of this episode is my conversation with Jonathan Warad, who's the VP of Global Brands with Techno Media of Mood Media, and it specializes in consumer experiences for retailers. Now, in a moment, we'll get into the interview. But first, how about some headlines? Toyota scraps Tokyo Olympics ads in Japan despite being banner sponsor. Toyota will not air any ads during the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which just kicked off over the weekend. The automaker pulled back on ads and plastering its time across the events as support among the Japanese people dipped to new lows for holding the event amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Tokyo remains under a state of emergency due to the pandemic. A Toyota USA spokesperson said in a statement, the media plan for Toyota's Olympic and Paralympic global ad campaign is managed by individual countries and regions in Japan. The local Toyota office previously decided not to air the campaign out of sensitivity to the COVID-19 situation in that country. In the U.S., the campaign has already been shown nationally and will continue to be shown as planned with our media partners during the Olympic and Paralympic Games 
Tokyo 2020. And in addition, CEO of Toyota will not attend the opening ceremony as once planned. And on the subject of sports, Cleveland's Major League Baseball team is changing its name to the Guardians. Yes, the team announced last Friday that it will be dropping the name that it has been known for over a century. And the announcement came in a live video on Twitter narrated by Oscar winner Tom Hanks, who you might recall worked in Cleveland early in his acting career and starred in the women's baseball movie A League of Their Own. The name Guardians is a reference to well-known Art Deco statues located on the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge, which spans the Cuyahoga River and connects downtown Cleveland to the city's trendy Ohio neighborhood, Ohio City neighborhood, uh, and those statues are known as the Guardians of Traffic. The franchise had long faced pressure from activists locally and nationally to ditch the name Indians, which critics said was racist. It had been the baseball club's name since 1915. The announcement did not say when the name change goes into effect. However, MLB.com reported it will happen next season. The franchise is currently in second place in the American League Central. Now, not to sway from mobility tech, but we do like to keep a pulse on certain current events. Trump has now filed lawsuits against Twitter, Facebook, and Google over alleged big tech censorship. Donald Trump announced earlier this month he will lead a class action lawsuits against Twitter, Google, and Facebook over alleged censorship, declaring that big tech is out of control and is functioning as the de facto censorship arm of the U.S. government. While social media companies are officially private entities, in recent years they have ceased to be private with the enactment and their historical use of Section 230, which profoundly protects them from liability. Trump said this as he announced the lawsuits in conjunction with the America First Policy Institute. We'll definitely be curious to see where this goes. I think it's an important issue. In fact, uh, reports just came out that Facebook and the White House are now being accused of colluding on censorship. Uh, One report says Facebook is censoring Americans at the behest of President Joe Biden's administration in violation of the First Amendment. This is a new lawsuit that's come out. What's happening here, just to give some perspective, is uh, on Facebook, like most social media now, you can flag content. So we have... We, what we have are authorities or figures, actors within the White House who are doing that. Nothing illegal about that. What's illegal is if they're doing it in collusion. If, if the White House and Facebook are colluding on what content to censor, that's a big no-no. That's a whole different story. So we'll keep an eye on that. And on a similar note, liberal author Naomi Wolf who was recently censored by Twitter and YouTube after she raised questions regarding the side effects of COVID-19 vaccines, the constitutionality of lockdowns, and the candor of Anthony, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's the head of U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Wolf decided to join the class action lawsuit started by President Trump. Her original plan was to sue Twitter on her own. She was then approached by Trump's legal team and agreed. All right, staying a little focused on mobility tech news, Argo and Ford to launch self-driving vehicles on Lyft's ride-hailing app. Yes, autonomous vehicle technology startup Argo AI and its backer and customer Ford plan to launch at least 1,000 self-driving vehicles on Lyft's ride-hailing network in a number of cities over the next five years, starting with Miami and Austin. The first Ford self-driving vehicles, which are equipped with Argo's autonomous vehicle technology, will become available on Lyft's app in Miami later this year. 
and Ford and Argo have a presence in Miami for years now and have an active fleet of test vehicles. Austin will follow the next year while the remaining U.S. cities being added to the Lyft app in 2023 and beyond. Argo currently tests in Detroit, Palo Alto, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. And here's a bit of interesting news. Uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk says it will open its superchargers to other EVs this year. Yes, Uh, owners of non-Tesla EVs may be able to use some superchargers by the end of 2021. Musk revealed this in a tweet on Twitter that the company is opening up its supercharger network to other EVs later this year. Musk has long talked about making the network accessible to other electric cars, and he mentioned late last year that some brands have are are already seeking access to, te- to Tesla's charging stations. So opening up its network to other companies won't be simple, seeing as Tesla uses a proprietary connector in North America. It has to make sure that the stations will work across brands and that secure software handshake between a non-Tesla car and a supercharger is possible. The transaction could be easier in Europe, where the automaker already uses standard CCS connectors. This AutoConverse podcast and the following message are brought to you in part by Vehicle Hero. If you've been paying attention, you may have noticed a subtle shift in car dealer ads on radio, TV, and the internet. For decades, car dealers have all screamed about having the lowest prices on cars. But nowadays, car ads are mostly telling you to hurry in for top dollar on your trade. We'll buy your car whether you buy one of ours or not. And that nobody pays more for used cars than Big Bob's Ford store. Nobody. At Vehicle Hero, we rescue your sale by making things as easy as one, two, three. You give us details about your car, we search our network, finding local dealers who want your model, work through their bids, eliminating everything but the best offer. You walk away happy without any of the inconveniences of used car sales. Selling your used car doesn't have to be full of drama. Vehicle Hero gets you paid with no settling, no switcheroos, and no stress. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash hero. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash hero. And thank you. And now on to my conversation with Jonathan Warad, VP of Global Brands with Techno Media of Mood Media. The interview got started with Jonathan and I talking about revolutions in the automotive consumer experience. Yeah, no, I'd say I'd say, Ryan, it is it is absolutely changing quicker than it ever has done in automotive um, and it is speeding up the pace. I mean, you know, the acquisition of buying a vehicle is not a, a decision. You you pop down to the store and you you figure out you want a new car and you, you acquire a new car. And I think the 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 online market um, has been really driving people to distance themselves from that purchasing habit of going and testing the product. But very different for the automotives. You don't you don't typically go and buy a vehicle unless you're repeat buying. Um, you want to go and see it. You want to touch it. You want to sit in it. You want to feel that it's part of you, that you associate with the brand. So I think in terms of the, the, the pace, uh, the automotive market has probably been further behind than, than other markets. But it's now having to catch up and get ahead of all of the vertical markets in terms of its approach to customer engagement. Do you think the automotive consumer experience can be compared to the Amazon experience? And I think I think the question to that is, Ryan, is where is the future of car ownership? And, and are we going to own cars? Are we going to be investing in a model which is we are 
pinning our aspirations, our identity to a specific model? Or are we going to be buying into uh, an ubiquitous supply of cars that we can choose and select when we want to change? And I think this is where the, the automotive sector is really struggling. And you see you see companies come into market like Lucid um, and uh, Lincoln Co, where they are going to democratize vehicle ownership and they're going to make it a, more flexible for you to make those changes. You know, you typically as a car buyer today, you're making a commitment to say, I'm going to own this car for the next period of time, whatever that investment that you wish to make as an individual. For some people, car ownership is now extending and the average ownership of cars is, is increasing. People are not replacing them as, a, as quickly as they used to. The performance of vehicles is much better, especially when you move into electric vehicles and their, their expectation is they'll do a million miles. You are breaking that mold to say the car's worn after it's done 50,000 miles. It's getting old. It's, it's not the same as a, a new vehicle. Well, the electric vehicle changes that perspective because it, it will continuously keep running. And as long as the batteries are good, it will keep the performance will always be there. You can't wear out an electric motor in the same way you can wear out a you know, gas oil motor. So I think that the perspective of how we are going to engage ourselves in the, the purchase of vehicles and the purchase of experience is going to be very different. And, and the automotives are now realizing that for some it's going to be too late because all of this is coming on top of the change of driving the EV market. So they've got this clash of EV coming along at rapid pace, customer experience, expectations and the way we engage in, in ownership of vehicles and, and the way we see our identity in the vehicle that we drive. That's all getting turned around. I mean, you know, in, in Europe, we're seeing a lot of cities where young people just don't believe they even need a car anymore. That freedom is just not bolted to their identity that they feel they need to they need to have that. But they absolutely want to buy into a service that they can use a vehicle and they can transport themselves around when they wish to. So I think this is, these are the kind of revolutions that are happening. Okay. So are there any consumer experience models that exist now, which might be compared to how you see the automotive consumer experience? Yeah. I mean, you look, I think Uber announced this week, didn't they, that they're going to build their own, their own vehicles um, specifically for hailing and they're going to be electric vehicles for that market. Um, you look at, again, a site, Lincoln Co., and what they're doing, where they're bringing out a very, very small range of models, but they're going to make that available, um, you know, worldwide. Uh, and it's a club. And this comes back to one of the, uh, I think, the, the points we pick up in some of the uh, research that we've been doing, that our association with an auto brand is less about brand identity and more about being a part of the club. And that's, that's got to be reflected in the dealerships that we go to. They're less a supermarket for cars when we want an experience. They're more a club to go and meet like-minded people that want to experience an, event, an adventure in owning that vehicle. Because to your point, I think a lot of vehicle usage and ownership is just going to become utility. And that's going to be driven through electric vehicle, through environmental pressures, through our speed of which we wish to approach and use and have flexibility in the way we use vehicles. So when you refer to the idea of being in a club, I, I immediately think of, of, say, the Jeep brand, specifically Jeep Wrangler, uh, Harley Davidson. Would you say Tesla's accomplished that? Tesla's created this idea of, hey, you're in the Tesla club. That's what the automakers ultimately need to strive for. 
yeah and i think you you you're seeing that i think tesla's still got a bit of a way to go because they're quite new to the market but some of the more historic brands have realized that in order to get brand loyalty now you've got to do more than just sell the vehicle you've got to be able to present an experience to the clients and and you see i mean i'm working a lot right now with luxury the luxury end of the market which are moving very very quickly into into having that club experience where they're not just selling you a vehicle they're engaging you in a lifestyle and they're going to be providing other services through the dealership network so it's not just about buying the vehicle it's about coming back and having events and having ongoing relationships with that dealership which you get if you're buying a high-end luxury vehicle you maintain that relationship with your sales guy and and they, they want to keep in touch with you but we're seeing that now coming down to sort of the more the mid-market brands where they also want to be able to build that sort of relationship because technology makes that possible it makes personalization possible because you're not necessarily needing to be remembered by a single salesperson because our profile and the profile we build through the apps that the manufacturers will now give to us with a vehicle to control our car tells them a lot about what we do with that vehicle about how we use the vehicle and all of that data is going to be is very useful for them approaching you to keep you engaged with them as a brand. So I, I do see that dealerships going forward are, are, are more of a, of a social center for the brand rather than a, a location you take your car necessarily to be fixed. Uh, I don't see vehicles, you know, I don't see us driving vehicles to dealerships to go get them repaired. You know, people will come and do that for us. Uh, they'll go to a black box somewhere to get them repaired. But dealerships that, w- that we're dealing with a lot are moving now into shopping malls and high footfall areas where they can attract more of that club environment where people are associating with the brand and that experience rather than the the purchase of the vehicle. Some people would say there are conflicts of interest between auto dealers and automakers. So how do you see this playing out globally? Or is this more a dynamic of a national concern? Oh, for for sure. And and I think, you know, we're starting to see that with some of the brands that, that we work with as Mood Media um, where that is that is being changed. Yeah. Uh, you know, traditionally, the, the whole process of having a dealer network and it was really you relied as an auto manufacturer on the dealer network to do your selling for you. That is gradually being chipped away and that is changing. You know, especially here in Europe, um, we're seeing auto makers now that are really, really turning that on its head. And they're really setting up agency agreements with the dealerships. So rather than rather than them having to figure out what the sell price is, what the margins are, they give them a flat fee and say, you sell a vehicle, you're going to get that's what you're going to get, because it enables them to bring that selling cycle to the online world, which is where they want it. So they can present pricing and they can ensure that they can be competitive and change their pricing models really very quickly um, to compete with other auto manufacturers. And so in order for, for the OEMs today to be able to get into that position, they really have to make cost price a focus. And really, it's about driving what's that monthly cost going to be of that vehicle for me as an individual? And is it competitive? Um, and and they, in order for, for an OEM to really be in control of that, they've got to get that buying process online. And that's where we're seeing a lot of dealers moving to this an agency model away from the dealership model, which which changed the whole uh, dynamic because you're going into dealerships then not to meet a sales guy because that sale has already been done 
you've already bought into the value proposition because you've got a price, it's online, it's a great deal, and you're going to go for it. And it's it's then all about when you go to that dealership, experiencing that that final decision to say, I've made my selection online, I'm coming here to see the vehicle, I don't need to be sold to, I've already done that. I need to just be reassured that what I'm buying into here is it meets my lifestyle, it meets my personal objectives. And and that's mm-hmm. where that big revolution is coming. So are we saying here that the consumer experience will be more and more mandated by automakers to achieve that quote unquote club status and that the local dealer or retailer will still play a role in facilitating that part of the transaction? Yeah. And, I, and it goes, I think, to some of the uh, organizations that we see there that are that are spinning up the online market for um, for vehicles. The key that they have, which has been very difficult for dealer networks to manage, is the part exchange valuation. And, and if you can lift that into a cloud based solution and it's online and you can get your car valued and you know what your trading value is going to be on your on your current vehicle, you can very quickly make a decision whether you can or can't afford the next vehicle. And this is the way it breaks down that cycle we spoke about, about how regularly do you change a vehicle? Well, what automakers want you to do is not think that you want to be able to keep this vehicle for eight years because that's the life expectancy now of a vehicle, but that you can more freely exchange your vehicle for a different direction. You can say, actually, this year I want a a four by four or this year I want a, a sports car because I can more freely engage in that without feeling that I'm taking a big hit on the loss of the value of my previous vehicle. So for for auto makers, they want to continue to keep the secondhand and used market good because it enables them to evolve in in encouraging people to change their aspirations on a more frequent basis going forward. I like the way you put that. I'm thinking of Apple and iPhone. They have maybe... I mean, they always have like a plus and a non-plus size. So very limited, right? Very limited selection of inventory. But every year they got a new piece. Automakers have new models every year. But what you're getting at is the ownership experience, what the automaker might be aiming for is getting you in and out of different cars more frequently, but staying part of that club and loyal to that brand. That's the goal. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because I think that's, you know, you raised the point there about that kind of iPhone analogy, which is, you know, cars are there. Uh, as soon as you take out all the mechanical pieces of the car, which predominantly is going to happen with EV, um, you, you are down to a, a, a highly technical, highly capable piece of computing technology, which very soon will be able to auto drive and uh, will be able to do its own thing. And, and that's where it decouples from needing you to be the owner and master of that machine because it will do its own thing. It will update itself. It will repair itself, take itself to be repaired. It will it will control itself to give you more freedom. And the automakers realize that that that's the big step that we have to get behind, that we will no longer be in control of that transportation. It will provide services to us and we will be able to be more flexible in our approach to how we use vehicles. Folks, I'm talking with Jonathan Warad. He's VP of Global Retail Brand Experience with Technomedia, a division of Mood Media uh, based out of London, England. Jonathan, I'd like to go back get out of automotive just for a moment. Um, Mood Media recently uh, announced that every shopper at every Target is now listening to the same song at every time. 
is this a is this a new approach to consumer experience that hasn't been achieved with other uh, national or international retailers? Well, I think, you know, being able to control and put experience in the hands of, of retail has always been a very important part of what we do at Mood Media. Uh, you know, we, we've got a very big network of retailers that we work with, uh, over 500,000 locations that we service today. And, and it's, it's been very important for us to ensure that when a brand makes a decision about its profile, that that is what is realized in all of their stores. And we can be consistent in the delivery in, in this instance of, of, a, of a music profile or a sound profile to, to that particular retailer. And I think it comes back down to what we were speaking about a, a moment ago, Ryan, around how um, customer experience is, it, it drives really the relationship between you and the brand. Um, you know, the last year or so has seen a lot of retail, multi, multi-buy retailers really struggling where single brand retail has really taken off. And so where we where we look at um, uh, brands that are very focused on their customer experience, they're asking us to be able to build out, um, you know, ways in which we can drive uh, that engagement for them and, and to be able to give them purpose to their customer journey. And what is the purpose of having all customers hearing the same song at the same time everywhere? For, for the company, well, it, it goes back to profiling the, that experience at that point in time when, you, when you're in the store. And I think the, the key for what we're trying to do as Mood is we're continually trying to revitalize the brand's approach to its customers. And if we can do that in a consist, consistent way to all of the customers in all the stores, we can maintain that brand profile both to the staff and to the customers. And it, it's, it's not about the, the single track. It's about ensuring that the same vibe is felt across the whole estate. Um, and and this, is, this has been really brought out in a, in a lot of work that's been done around international and global brands where, you know, do you play localized music in your stores in one country and something different in a different country? Well, what we try to do as Mood is be sensitive to localization, but continue to maintain a consistency of, sound and brand experience in all the stores because what again you're buying into much like the automotive space you're buying into that brand experience and that association with where you're going to shop where you're going to experience you know to your point is there a specific reason we want to play the same track at the same time in every store well that is really about you know do you want to have the same experience felt by all your customers and and by curating and managing the way that we deliver content to stores, it means that we can be consistent because the online journey that you have with any brand is consistent. You typically, we all go to the same online experience and we want to make sure that that's reflected in the online, in the offline experience in, in the physical stores. Mm-hmm. And what is the benefit to the consumer, to the customer? Yeah. And I think from a, from a consumer point of view, what, what we often talk about with, with big brands is, is the way that their staff engage with the consumer. And uh, what we do today is as much for the benefit of those coming into the store as a consumer is how the staff react to the, ex- the environment that they work in. And a lot more effort has been put in by brands recently to think about how does music and, and visual technologies and other things that we do, how does it become part of the 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 working day experience um, of the staff. Because what we found is if we can create a happy staff, 
we can engender a much better relationship with the customers. And by creating a better environment, we're able to bring a, a better experience to the client. And so, you know, having customers and staff be able to sing along to music, to be able to experience um, similar genres and sh similar experiences, we, we are able to drive that um, relationship between the client and, and the store team. And that, that for us has been, especially through COVID, that's been a really important part as retailers open back up to make, you know, make both the customer and the staff member comfortable in engaging and having some sort of rapport. Are automakers pushing for anything similar at the retail level with their dealerships? Is this the direction we're headed? For us, it's as important now that we address the needs of the, of the, of the employee because happy, happy employees means a better, a better customer experience. And we see that quite, we see that quite consistent around the world. If we can make better environments for the employees through technology, we will improve the customer experience. Because typically the challenge that we have, Ryan, is technology can become very, you know, white labeled. We would, I'd use that word because it, it just becomes wallpaper. You go to work and you're hearing music all day, you're seeing images appearing on screens. That technology can become very just wallpaper, which means it really has no effect on changing you as an employee in a store. Equally in a dealership, yeah, you're, you're in an automotive dealership, you're listening to content all day, you're watching content on screens. What you, what you don't want as a brand is for that content to become white noise for your staff because it's not, it's not helping your staff environment and, and, and their approach to coming to work and enjoying their experience. And I think that that's really a key. When, when we look at converting you know, automotive locations to being um, client-led, we need the we need the staff to come along with that journey and be a part of that experience. And I think that's where we, as Mood Media, really drive that technology and that content piece to be able to bring that together to enhance that level of engagement. What about the idea of merging the physical shopping experience with the digital or digital experience, as we call it? How do you see the auto shopping experience becoming more and more digital? Yeah, it is. It is heading in this direction. And, and for the very first time, we are rolling out um, audio content to uh, automotive uh, dealership networks that just haven't had it before. Um, I think it, it goes back to the point of, uh, you know, traditionally, the dealer, uh, as you raised, Ryan, really had their own business. They were making their building their own business profile um, and they happened to be marketing a certain manufacturer OEM of vehicles. They were building their own business. Today, we're seeing that the, the OEMs want to ensure that their brand identity is touched on in sight, sound, even scent. So we are working with brands now that are using scent um, and they will, you know, they will use a consistent scent worldwide to ensure that that experience is maintained. So I think, yes, it, it is happening in the automotive industry and the brands are aligning their dealer networks and, and will align their agent agents um, going forward to that approach, but it is all about brand consistency. Okay, so you would say that fidgetal, the idea of a fidgetal shopping experience is synonymous with brand consistency. 
Yeah, so it, it is a bit, it is a key word now, and it is a buzzword around digital. I know we we're using it ourselves uh, to try and explain to to brands, um, you know, what the experience is 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 going to be like in retail going forward. Uh, you look at Gen Z today, and you look at the consumers and the way they approach retail. Um, a, a lot more people, COVID again has, has expedited this, are using mobile and using online tools to do to do their purchasing. But when we look at the experience in store, and we spoke about a moment ago, content should no longer be just a wallpaper. We're not looking at putting content in as a background music sound or as a as content just for brand vanity. Yeah, which is what often it's been done before. It's it's really the brand trying to position themselves against their competition. And they often spend and invest in that um, more uh, historically as a, as a vanity project to try and compete and grab your attention. When we start speaking about digital, this is about the shopping experience in its, in its entirety. It's about the customer channel. It's about how we engage in that purchasing activity and how it becomes digitized. Um, you know, a lot more retailers now are starting to look at augmented reality starting to look at how do we uh, engage in a physical experience when we're not there. So we're building tools today uh, using augmented reality where you may not go and visit a physical store, but you will visit a, a digital store. It's, it's, it, it feels physical. You're walking around, you're experiencing the products, you're talking to um, an agent, you're talking to a representative who can train you on the product, but you're not physically there. And so this is the crossover between how retailers and indeed going forward automotives may decide to turn their dealerships into into really more of a studio experience where you could, you can come physically and experience the car or you can have a digital experience where you may not physically be there because you're there in a in a digital capacity but you're still able to talk to an, an agent, um, a, a salesperson who can walk you around the car. You can sit in the car. You can see and feel what that's going to be like as a, as a user. But you're, you're doing it through a digital medium. And I think this is really where we're seeing the world change in that, that blurring of what our physical experiences are going to be and how they're being augmented with, with digital technologies. Okay, so that's a good clarification. You're, the idea of digital isn't referring to being in a store and using your, your phone or digital tech, technical digital device to maybe price compare and look at other products. It's more about using digital technology to create the uh, experience of being in a physical store. Yeah, because I think you know to that point, Ryan, we can do a lot of that checking online. Uh, and yes, that checking will always continue to happen with what we do uh, when we're price sensitive. But as we spoke about before, our retail habits are quickly changing and we are looking for ways to experience products. And the way that we can better experience it is through the manufacturers and the retailers enhancing that journey through using the latest in, in digital tech. And, and I think, you know, it goes beyond then, as you said. Price checking is one level of digital, but I think what we're looking for is immersive experience. Um, and we can do that online and we could do that offline because we're blurring the boundary now between being physically present or digitally present to communicate and engage in that product. But how can we experience being in a physical car or is that going 
away as an obstacle for car shopping? Yeah, and I think you know, I think that's a great question. I th- think that's why we're seeing um, a lot of um, the automotives now who are moving towards the digital um, engagement, um, where you have the you know you have that fourteen day guarantee to to return the car if you don't like it, because um, they recognise that the there is there is a really important um, tactile um, testing of 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 a, of a purchase in 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 the automotive space, and and in really whenever you're making an investment in in something of substantial value, you, you want to experience it. And, and people will say, um, you know, I can test drive a car, that's great, but I really need to test drive it for a, for a period of time. And I think what you're seeing in the automotive space is more, more approaches or more models, which gives you that 14 day guarantee that you can take a car. So you don't physically have to be there. The way that the, uh, the OEMs, the way that brands will, you know, get around, the fact that you may not go and visit a location is you can do all of the transaction online, but you can then you can then use the vehicle for a period of time and experience it and then return it if you if you're not happy with it. I think that's the way that they will approach that. It doesn't take away, though, as you said, from going and actually having a physical experience with the with the vehicle in a showroom, talking to the talking to the the staff, understanding what you're buying. And really, a lot of it today is more about training how you use the vehicle when you buy it than than that process of selecting the vehicle. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you again for tuning in to the Auto Converse podcast, where we explore how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi. Remember, you can text the keyword Auto Converse to 855-766-7585. We'll send you a link to get subscribed to our YouTube channel. Uh, so that you have access to our live shows. Most of the information and the interviews and conversations that you that you hear featured here on the podcast do come from our live show. And folks, if you like what we're doing here, do us a favor. Head over to the Apple iTunes Store or Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast. Go ahead and leave us a, a, a review. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a four if we're not quite a five. Leave us whatever you want. Leave us a low rating, whatever you want. Uh, we just want to we want to hear see what you have to say about the show. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you have a great week and we will see you in one week from now. Take care, everybody. This is Autoburst Media.